0: Live from the Battle Born Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company.
1: Quick up to Trangelo. Shoots it
0: off the high glass behind the goal. Knights do it in the middle of the shot. Off the post and into the goal. That was on the tape. William Carrier finds the back of the net. Vegas ties it 2-2 with six minutes to play. Michael looks to the back door. Theodore cutting. He scores. Michael to Theodore. The Knights win it in overtime. 3-2 Vegas. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield. On ESPN Las Vegas.
2: All right, here we go on Wednesday. Cofield and Company as Adam Hill is the company Justin Watkins in, in just a little bit. Busy day here at VGK with another rousing victory last night. We'll get to that in the middle of the show. ESPN Las Vegas Legal Insider Justin Watkins will join us as we are live from the Battleborne Injury Lawyers Studio, as we call it, the
1: uh, BBBBBBBC <laughs> Battle Born Broadcast Center. What's going on, Adam? So many Bs. Uh, had to make some emergency transactions right here. Uh, learned some things coming into the building. What to is make this, some, uh, NFL-wise, fantasy football? Yeah, somehow during the bye week, Keenan Allen Tamstring got worse. I saw that. Yeah. That's so, a disaster. I uh, got some, some information that it's worse, worse. So you're fired up to pick up, what, so, DeAndre Carter? Uh, no, there's actually a couple of uh, Palmer leagues still available. So oh, yeah, there you go. Scrambled and found him. So that was a uh, – Big deal, big deal. Fantasy football. Very important. Right How many the leagues show. are you in? 27. Okay. And I think he
2: was available in six. Are you, uh, any of your teams absolutely tanking where you, you need to start trading off for the future? Aren't you in a dynasty league? Is that team any good?
1: Yeah. I, you're I'm actually. Right you're good? I'm in a dynasty. Like I'm in a, a couple of keeper leagues. I'm in a dynasty where essentially you have players forever. Right. Like you can't get rid of them. And uh, I was laughing before the season. Uh, our good friends from Petro, who got me into the league, was trying to get some of my players away and saying your team stinks. You have to build for a couple of years. So let me get Cooper Cup off your hands. He's a yeah. cheap contract. And uh, I was like, I think my team is better than I've been better than you think. Oh wow. And I'm in the mix. Were you then berated? Uh, a little Locked bit. And chided. But I will say, I mean, we have very important because, you know, people, people don't care about other people's fantasy teams. I know that, but they also do care about fantasy football. We do have, maybe have to talk a trade because Justin, my team in our Kansas City League is insane. It's so good. Who, you and I have to talk a trade? No, me and Justin. When he, oh, okay. Because you offered me
2: a trade last good. week and then uh, the player you offered me went crazy. I know. Uh, but, you know, things worked out for my team. I stayed patient. So not that, uh, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Um, yeah, uh, yeah. But the, the only problem with the with the fantasy league that Justin Watkins is in with us is it's a year-to-year league, so what's the point of trading anyone unless you're just being nice?
1: Well, I'm trying to make his team better.
2: He, isn't he 1-6 or 1-7?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to offer him, but he need, he needs everything.
2: All right. We'll hash this out in the 4 o'clock okay. hour because I think the audience wants to hear another 15 minutes, not that we just 15 minutes, another good five minutes of your fantasy, your 27 teams in fantasy. You should have taken my trade too.
1: I'm going to offer him the same two players. I didn't like your trade. I don't remember what it was, but I didn't like it. It was a. You know, I
2: didn't like it. I didn't. Uh, I didn't think CD Lamb was much of an upgrade over receivers that I already have.
1: Sure, but Deontay Foreman got 200 Deont... points. Yeah, he space.
2: did go crazy. He did go crazy. But I'm, I'm okay at running back, aren't I? Okay. Yeah. I needed a running. Well, back. Well, I, th- I thought I was. If if uh, Josh McDaniels runs Josh Jacobs, I was really okay a couple weeks ago. That's but true. let's not get him ten touches. But yeah, my my lone fantasy football team because I've cut down to almost nothing is uh, Austin Eckler, uh, Kenneth Walker, and Josh Jacobs as my running backs. It's pretty good.
1: Backed up by Jeff Wilson. But you need a receiver. So it's gonna give you C.D. C- Lamb and take it's one like, of the take one your star running But I, I wanna Can I'm, I tell
2: you can I tell you something really goofy? When Dar- um Baker Mayfield went down for Carolina, I've had you know I've had DJ Moore on my roster all year and he was playing like crap. And I know. was actually excited that PJ Walker was a quarterback. He throws to him. He does throw to him. He also yeah. that's I mean, that's kind of ridiculous if I'm going to base my fantasy fortunes on PJ Walker, but might have to. I
1: like certain guys. I'm offering Justin, so the listeners can get ready, De- Deontay Foreman and CeeDee Lamb right. for Travis Atien. For
2: Travis Atien? Okay. That's a in- fair
1: trade. Interesting. We'll hit that in the 4 o'clock hour. Can we get to the show? No. That is the show. It's the three
2: on Cofield and Company. So, Las Vegas Phillies get the job done last night. They're with Philadelphia Phillies, but two of their key players, their key player, Bryce Harper, of course, from Vegas, Bryson Stott, also from Vegas, and... UNLV, and they rolled last night. A lot of fun. You and I can be kind of back and forth on the city of Philadelphia. I like it more than than you do, but their fans can be annoying with certain teams. But the Phillies are a good story, and the Vegas guys make it an even better story. 7 nothing yesterday. That was good to see the Astros get their asses completely kicked. Five home runs in the game for the Phillies. Bryce Harper is having an all-time postseason. His numbers now are 382, six homers, 13 ribs with a 1.232 OPS. Is that good? That's kind of good. It's kind of good. And then the story last night, and there's lots of stories aside from the home runs, and the crowd going just freaking ballistic. They went nuts on the the first batter. Altuve lines out to right, and uh, Castellanos makes a, a diving catch or a sliding catch, and it was like, holy crap, this place is amped. But I think the story of the game was probably Lance McCullers. And I guess it's cheating in the, in some sense, but if you give the other team
1: a little tip on your pitches and they're smart, they're going to take advantage of it. It's not cheating. We we talk using electronics is cheating. When a pitcher pitch tips pitches, that is absolutely 100%. The Phillies had a video set up like multiple
2: angles, watching them trying to diagnose which pitch or like, yeah, like a a camera somewhere positioned so they could look right into the glove when he's putting his hand on the ball. That's cheating. Sure, uh, but in bro- this case, he was he was giving it away. Now, how McCullers was giving away what
1: he was throwing is up for debate. What there's did, a lot what, of, there's, what did you think it was? There's a lot of internet theories. I've watched a couple of them. I'm not really convinced on any of them. Really, but, but the reason I thought that the it, one was easy. No, which
2: one? I thought uh, when he was throwing his slider that both his leg and his glove were going up higher. Than the other pitches. Like as soon as he went into the windup, his glove goes higher because his knee forces his whole body up. Yeah. That's what uh, the John Boy was talking sure. about. And then Pedro Martinez on MLB Network, they ran video of the glove going higher. So the glove is like near his chin or maybe right in front of his mouth on other pitches like the curveball and the changeup. Uh, and then it was going higher with the slider. But here's the thing I guess if, if it's the same level, I think that's what I saw. I think the same level for the curve and the changeup, higher for the slider. But they were they were smacking every, every... like It seemed like they knew when the slider was coming, when the curveball was coming. Bryce yeah. Harper did on the curveball. Well, and and, and really, when the changeup was coming. Because I think it was Schwarbs. Schwarby on the freaking changeup. That was the longest home run of the five. I think it was like 445. I mean, he looked like... Not only did he know it was coming, he's just like, nice, easy swing and straight out the center field.
1: And really the reason that anybody even started looking for whether he's tipping pitch is obviously when somebody gives a five home runs, you, you think about it. But... Bryce Harper massacred a ball, of course, in the first inning, which the crowd just loved. It went crazy. Did you see the angle from where the, where the ball landed? There was a guy actually filming with his cell phone camera, and the ball landed right in front of him. It was one of the coolest angles I've seen on, on a home run in a long time. That was cool. But then Bryce Harper goes over and starts saying things to players before they're at bats, and then they're hitting home runs. Like, okay, well, he's clearly telling them exactly what he's the one that figured out what was going on. He figured well, out how, how he's tipping how pitches. His bomb came up and yeah. freaking hit a bomb. Yeah. After a bomb. getting the whisper. Yeah. And so it, and then everybody started figuring, okay, what did Bryce Harper see? What is he telling them? And those are the those are the cool parts of baseball for sure. Not when people are using electronics and banging on drums, but how sweet for the Astros who said, hey, it really wasn't that much of a an advantage anyway to now get completely destroyed because somebody knows what pitches are coming. Doesn't really feel good, does it? And they did it naturally and you cheated. That's got to be awful in their clubhouse today.
0: Today after Cofield and Company, it's the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show at 6 p.m. right here on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: You know, I just hope that uh, we all grow through this together. It's always a, an opportunity for us to grow and understand new perspectives. Uh, I think the organization is uh, trying to take that stance where they're going to communicate through this and try to all come out in a better position and more, with more understanding and, uh, you know, more empathy for every side of this debate and, and situation.
0: You're listening to Cofield Field & Company, live from the Battleborne Broadcast Center on ESPN Las Vegas. Yeah,
2: not anymore. Oh, nope, not anymore. The understanding, the hashing things out, that was enough. Let's bring in uh, Brian Geldzaller. That was uh, Steve Nash on the way back. The Nets are a mess. I wanted to break down the Nets a little bit, also get into the Lakers, and also a, a very upside-down NBA. The teams that were supposed to be tanking, some of them are actually pretty good, and the, the teams that expected to be good are not very good. Brian Geldzaller's in from SiriusXM NBA. What's up, buddy? What's up, Steve? How we doing, bud? I'm good. Adam Hill is here as well. So um, I'm now. The news is coming out here uh, on Nash and the Nets. So g- give me your take on this. Did Nash basically walk in and go, you know what? I've I've just had enough.
3: I think that it's it was a little more mutual than that. I think I, let, let me put it to you this way: Nash, you know, knew that he wasn't getting his message home. You could right. see by the way the team was playing that that he wasn't getting his message home. I was in the building the other night watching what was going on. The body language on that bench was very, very bad. Nick Claxton in particular was not exactly carrying himself in a way that you would want a young player to carry himself. And I think I think that when that, you know, when Nash looked at them and said, I'm not sure this is working, they were in 100% agreement. Here's the other thing that I think you have to understand in knowing how the NBA works. There is zero chance the Nets were cutting Steve Nash loose unless they knew they were going to be able to get email Udoka, and the Celtics weren't going to ask for anything in return. So the, the the fact is, the replacement was in place way before Nash said goodbye. So I think when they give us that little story about Steve Nash walking in and saying, "You know, I, I don't think I'm getting through to them anymore," there's a heck of a lot more involved there, guys.
2: My God, there are so many layers to this <laughs> thing; it's nuts. I want to get to Udoka in a couple of minutes on the on the angle. You know, at least that Nash was, you know maybe a little frustrated and tired not getting his message through. What about dealing with the off-the-court stuff and, and Kyrie Irving? That's got to be wearing on everyone.
3: Hey, listen, Kyrie Irving, this time, and, and it's because of everything that he's done, this time may have very much bitten off more than he could chew. Kyrie Irving last night, in that game against the Bulls, looked like he wanted to be anywhere but on the basketball court. He, he played terrible. He was 2 of 12. I mean, they lost that game because Irving could do nothing. And the reality is, listen. You had to take down the tweet. And, you know, 14 of the 30 owners in the NBA are Jewish. And although no one has taken them down publicly, to the exception of his own owner, Joseph Tsai, I know that, behind, that, that you know, behind the scenes, there's a lot of unhappiness with Kyrie Irving promoting what he promoted. And listen, I've also heard Kyrie didn't necessarily realize everything that was in there on an anti-Semitic level. And I think Kyrie needs to, you know, Kyrie likes to talk about This is my truth, right, guys? We hear him say that all the time. I'm just speaking my truth. Kyrie did not know what his truth was here. He had no clue what his truth was. Kyrie has put himself in a spot where he has become a pariah in many, many NBA circles. And let's face it, guys, when you're in a contract year, that's not the way to be. And he's going to have to play at a level that, as great as he is, and God, is he a great player and is he fun to watch. But he may have to play at a level... And I'm not even sure he's capable of playing at to be able to get himself more than a one-year contract when it comes to next year. Because no one wants to deal with what the Nets have just dealt with for the last four years.
2: So when does, you just said Kyrie may not have known all of the anti-Semitic messages that were in this movie that he essentially was endorsing, promoting, even though he fought with Nick Friedle over that nonsense. Um, when does he come clean and apologize for this, or is he going to keep you know digging in deeper?
3: Maybe never.
2: Listen, first of all, hat
3: tip to Nick Fredell. I sent him a text the other night because I, I was so in awe of how he handled Kyrie in a respectful way, but held Kyrie to all of his words. And Kyrie went from, from I have this platform and I want to speak my truth, to, I'm not promoting this. Well, which one is it, dude? Nick, Kyrie, Nick put Kyrie in circles. And the whole thing, you're dehumanizing me? Listen. I've talked to Holocaust survivors, guys. I'm Jewish, all right? Want to talk about dehumanizing? Promoting a documentary that denies the Holocaust is dehumanizing an entire religion of people in this country. So so Kyrie really came off as a major, major hypocrite. The thing about Kyrie Irving, which is very hard to deal with, is he's not really very good at saying he's wrong. And this is one where he needs to say he's wrong. He needs to, to stand, whether it's standing in front of the media, whether it's put out a carefully crafted statement and saying, I spoke, I, I spoke out on something that I had not done the appropriate amount of homework on. But Kyrie, that's not it. Listen, what's Kyrie tell us when he wouldn't get back to I'm a voice for the voiceless, right? You can't be a voice for the voiceless if you're uninformed. Kyrie promoted a documentary in a very, very uninformed fashion, and at one point or another, he should walk himself back but if we, if history is eluded with Kyrie Irving, I don't think he'll ever walk himself back
2: from this. He's one of the great voices on SiriusXM NBA. Brian Geltziler is up with Cofield and Company. Adam Hill is here. It's Cofield as we're live at the Battleborne Broadcast Studio. So the Nets are in a real interesting position here. You know, Joe Sy came out and and uh, you know and said, "Hey, that this is this is not cool." Um, but you just mentioned Udoka, and they could be hiring Ime Udoka. Every. Everything is cleared on Udoka. Like, I don't think we've really found out exactly what he was saying to this next-level harassment. I just... I, You know, on one hand, they're trying to point finger. It's not point fingers, but get on and discipline one of their players, and then they turn around and they hire a coach who's certainly not cleared of the... Whatever you want to call it, the charges with the Celtics. Yeah, it's a really sticky situation, guys. It
3: really is. Like, I mean... You know the guy's supposed to be suspended for a year, right? And all of a sudden, we're two weeks into an NBA season, and guess who's back? And so I think it's uh, at the very least, very, very insensitive to women in general. It's sensitive to the woman he was involved with. Um, listen, I think that I think the one underlying thing that you have to look at here is a two underlying things: a the Nets are desperate. The Nets are desperate for a coach that can make something out of this group. Keep this in mind, guys. The Nets can't afford to be bad this year. The Rockets have a pick swap with them for James Harden, from the James Harden trade. By the way, James Harden's on the Sixers. All right, and Ben Simmons is on the Nets. And a, a parking attendant the other night at the Barclays Center made a joke that my son and my wife and I turned to us and said, Ben Simmons is like one of the guys from Space Jam where the monsters took his talent. It looks like he can't play anymore. They don't have their own draft pick, and this is what they're left with here. It's crazy where the Nets have gone, so the Nets are desperate. The other thing is this. The Celtics are really happy to get rid of Emey Adoka. They don't want this overhanging their season uncomfortable with Joe Missoula, they don't want questions about Yudoka, getting Yudoka out of their organization is something they want to do. I think they would have done it sooner if they weren't worried about this being a potentially litigious situation. Now they're out from any money they're going to owe them, but they'll just let him go to the Nets. They don't have to pay them. It's a better situation for Boston, and they're obviously not really threatened by the Nets if they will let Yudoka just walk there.
1: I guess the question for me is, it makes sense for the Celtics to let him go. It makes sense for the Nets to want him. Does it make sense for Udoga? I mean, is he just that desperate to get back on the sideline and he's like, yeah, I'll step into this chaos?
3: So
1: he. So this is the interesting part. That's a great question. The interesting part about
3: that is any coach worth his weight to solve is going to look at this Brooklyn roster and say, I can fix it. Yeah. There's so much talent there. There's. It's just It's a chemistry mess. It's a, it's a bad, bad chemistry experiment. But if you're a coach that believes you can coach in this league, I'm going to go there and give it a try. The thing about Yudoka, as crazy as this is, how many months off are we from him taking a team to the NBA Finals? Five months off. Five months ago, he was coaching a team in the NBA Finals. Right now, even with this whole harassment thing hanging over his head, he's kind of a hot name. Does that remain at the next offseason? Likely it does, but let me let me put it back on you. What are the chances of Yudoka getting a job next year coaching an NBA team with as much talent as this Brooklyn team has. Odds yeah. sorry it's not going to happen. So for Yudoka here, you know what? This is the talented group. The other thing you gotta remember, two years ago, he was on Steve Nash's bench. He was there. He knows this group. The thing about Yudoka that's interesting about this is he knows exactly what he's walking into. And he believes he can make a horse race of it or he wouldn't be taking a shot.
2: Brian, you're very connected. And we saw the Comments from Matt Barnes and even Richard Jefferson. I mean, Matt Barnes was saying there was something outrageous in a relationship. Think about this. Do you have any clue in talking to NBA people, like how how bad was it for the Celtics to say, "Bro, you were harassing her at this level"? What have you What have you heard? So I have to be careful
3: here because I, know. Well, I don't have anything confirmed, and and and, if, and without anything Legal. confirmed, guys, I think you're talking about people's lives. So I think it becomes very, very irresponsible to deal in rumor and innuendo, okay? But let me put it in these terms with EMA Yudoka. all right? People that said the Boston Celtics threw him under the bus, from what I understand, are completely wrong. I actually, think the Celtics protected him here. I think it was, it was pretty egregious what went on regarding how he handled himself when it came to women within the Boston Celtics organization. And again, I don't have any specifics confirmed, so I'm not going to get into specifics, but it was was not a good situation. The Celtics were very comfortable with the punishment that they levied, and after everything that went on with Bob Sarver and the Phoenix Suns, the Celtics didn't want to be attached to a misogynistic culture. And so they did what they had to do In terms of that, but uh, to my understanding, there were, you know, multiple, multiple offenses of misogyny involving a token of self-disorganization, and and I think they did what they had to do here.
2: Uh, Last one, because we know you're uh, busy. We appreciate the time. Brian Geltziler from Sirius XM NBA is up on Cofield and Company. So we have a ton of Laker fans here. We're right down the road from L.A., are they going to do anything anytime soon to add to the roster, to move on from Westbrook? What do you think is in the next couple of months for the Lakers?
3: I think eventually they will. I think it's, you know, they're waiting on teams to want to tank for Victor Wempayama. That's what the Lakers are waiting for. Because I you, I watched Turner and Hill play for Indiana the other night. Miles Turner doesn't have it anymore. and He's a young guy to not have it anymore. He did not look good at all. Buddy Heal's a good player. But you're not giving took first for that. Oh, it Charlotte's an interesting team, but they haven't played bad here early on. A Hayward-Rosier combination for Russ helps them a lot. And then they're looking to see if there's another team that pulls into this that may be available. And, and the one team to take this whole interview back full circle, if it doesn't work for the Nets and Yudoka, they have, to, they have to do a full up and restart this. And who's going to more value out there than Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving? And, and not to say that the Lakers will be able to get Kevin Durant but I do believe that Kyrie Irving is still on the Lakers' radar here, and they're keeping an eye on what's going on with the Nets to, to be able to do something there. So I think the Lakers are just waiting for teams to want to go in the tank here. And, and that may happen because of Wembyama being the guy that's out there. That may happen sooner rather than later.
2: Brian, you're awesome. Uh, great passion. We appreciate a couple minutes. Thank you so much. Always my pleasure, guys. You take care. There he is. Brian Geltziler, NBA experts. I'm in the end of that conversation. Are you blanking me? After all after all we've seen and we've talked about with Kyrie Irving, the Lakers would still consider
1: it? Irving and KD? Send them both out there? Let's go. Let's have some fun.
2: I mean, think about the fans of the NBA, and especially in the New York area. The league has done nothing about Kyrie Irving by the way they find we talked about this gray area you know a retweet leaves you gray area it doesn't like Kyrie Irving said doesn't mean I was promoting it the movie with uh, anti-Semitic themes in it but if you think he offended Myers Leonard another NBA player was fined $50,000 for anti-Semitic comments a couple of years ago so they have made moves on this but think about the fans Females in the New York area, and then Jews in the New York area. And there's a big Jewish population. And by the way, a very intense basketball following in the Jewish community. It might be mostly with the Knicks, right? But historically, it's been a big market. Budoka, not disciplined by the league and allowed to coach after being suspended for an entire year by another team. And Kyrie Irving allowed to play, no penalty at all. Really? This is the NBA under Adam Silver. I want to get into this more in like a half an hour, but maybe there's, there's got to be legal stuff behind it, right? Is that what, Are they hamstrung on this? Justin Watkins will be in. I mean, is that
1: it? Could I mean, it could be. As you what said, the hell it,
2: is going on?
1: As you said, there's it's a very easy... What do you mean? I, all I did is retweet something. I was retweeting because I thought it was so dumb. And then you guys took it like I wasn't supporting it. I was uh, just the, saying this but was the, But the problem is he talked about
2: his conviction and, you know, believing in what he believes. Yeah, that that was a terrible so, movie. So was he talking about something? Was it a different topic this time? Yeah. On
1: his, you know, top 50 list of conspiracy theories. I believe what I believe, that that was a terrible, disgusting movie, and you guys took it the wrong way. Like, there, what a there kooky, are... What
2: a kooky situation with the Nets, and then Brian closes out by going, you know what, the Lakers are so freaking desperate. They may still want Kyrie Irving. Like, what? What's going on? If you can play, you could play. This is insane. Uh, giveaway time. Jeff Beck with Johnny Depp. Coming up this Friday, Pearl at the Palms. Ticketmaster.com is where you can get your tickets. Ticketmaster.com for Jeff Beck and Johnny Depp. But we've got two tickets right now. Friday show, 8 o'clock at the uh, Palms, inside the Pearl. Ari's got the tickets. Call her 736 364-1100.
0: Join Cofield and company on Thursdays for the live 2-5 show at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. During all NFL games this season, get 77-cent beers. It's Thursday night football at Silver 7's Flamingo and Paradise.
1: And this is the difference. When you take your glove that high on one pitch, and then you don't take it near as far on the other one, then... You, you're really telling what, what's coming. McCullers to Harper. It's good. Right center field. Lightning
0: strikes. 2-0, Hanging at the Battleborn Broadcast Center, it's Cofield and Company.
2: Bryce Harper with the big home run. Phillies out to a 2-1 lead in the series 7 nothing victory last night. Caleb Herring, former quarterback for UNLV, in, in about five minutes. We'll get into the NFL. We'll get into a little college football. And, yes, the dread of all dreads on this show, the CFP rankings that just got released. Uh, Pedro Martinez on the way back there. Uh, Pedro, for me, especially as it gets fatter and fatter, uh, Pedro has one of the most punchable faces in all the sports. Sure. And, boy, his face is getting fat. Well, you've... Always wanted to punch him, even when he was playing. I couldn't stand him. And uh yeah, the Zimmer thing. That, that one that one'll stick in your craw when he, he threw old man Zimmer to the ground. And <laughs> was Zimmer bad. didn't want that smoke. Zimmer well, came for Zimmer him. Zimmer didn't want the smoke and then he yeah. found out that uh, oh wait, him. I'm fifty years older than a tough guy Pedro, who was probably who knows what was flowing through his veins or the rest of the Red Sox. Right? That just reminded me of something that I probably shouldn't say in the air, but it's fine.
1: Um, I'll tell you off the air.
2: Most punchable faces last week in the NFL. Mike McCarthy on a one to 10 scale got a 10 million. Yeah. Uh, everyone else got, you know, somewhere between one and 10. Uh, Josh McDaniels had a pretty high score. A lot of the likable NFL coaches, not that Josh McDaniels isn't likable, but uh, the, you know, like Ron Rivera's and you know no one's going to want to punch Ron Rivera in the face. Um, list, 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 list. Do we have a USA Today list out about guys who are on the hot seat? Please don't, please don't tell me first year guys are on the list.
1: Well, some are. Stop. And I will I will also say, uh, this is the second list they've done this year. The first one that they did, number one on the list was Matt Rule, and he was fired. Yeah. Pretty promptly. That after was the last early in the season or before the season? Yeah. Uh, what a bummer. Well, it was it was I think it was well, I guess. it was after like week two. <laughs> yeah. It's Forty million dollars he walked away with, so sure. eventually he's gonna nice. get it. Yeah. Uh, so now they've come out with a new list, top six. Uh, coaches most on the hot seat, uh, Josh McDaniels did make the list. He was not number one, however. Who's number one? Cliff Kingsbury. Okay. That makes sense. I don't think it does, but that's fine. Because they fell apart down the stretch last year. Yeah. And there was already some speculation that they could move on, and now –
2: I mean, I'm sure he was He was one of the guys who wanted Kyler Murray, so, hey, you know, you wanted to – I was going to say, you made your bed, now you have to line it, but you wanted to get in
1: bed with Kyler Murray, the whole organization, so sometimes there's going to be ups and downs. And Call of Duty came out last week, and the Cardinals lost. Although, Kyler played okay. Who's two? First-year coach. Not Josh McDaniels. Hackett? Nathaniel. Hackett. Okay. I mean, I think that's stupid, but. Who also, I think, was pretty high on the punchable face list. Yeah. I think it was up there.
2: I think the punchable face list was also affected by the fact, if you got a good photo, there are faces. Like, Pedro's face does look punchable. My face looks punchable. It, it looks like it's been punched
1: a lot of times. That's true. That's my problem. Well, also, uh, it was it was a little bit deceiving because depending on how far they zoomed in, some of the faces look oh, yeah. even more punchable. Oh, I mean Mike McCarthy—the photo of Mike McCarthy
2: was just terrible. Yeah. Ar- Arthur Smith too. Like I don't think Arthur Smith looks looks as big and galutish and
1: dorky as well, and he's he as he as he did in that picture. Punchable because he's a billionaire, probably too. Prep yeah. school kid. Oh, uh, he was a rich kid. Yeah, his dad owns FedEx. Right? Oh, that's right. Yeah,
2: that's right. And former yeah. player though. So when you yeah. talk about punchable faces, you also have to—you got to you gotta factor in the. The whole deal, can you get to his face? Well, was, will he, will and he was, annihilate you? Like like Mario Cristobal
1: might have a punchable face, but he's 6'8". So I think good that luck, was and the, he's probably uh, still weighing 270. I think that was the issue with, like, Lovey Smith, where they were like, this dude looks like he will hit you before you hit him. Yeah, so yeah. No, he's not punchable.
2: <laughs> plus, sure. plus uh, you know, it's funny. Last night I was uh, hanging out with a good buddy, and I was showing him the uh, the uh, slap fighting, and I was watching a couple times, like a, a big part of the slap fighting, which we just cleared here in Nevada, is, you, like, you got to nail the slap. Like, you might, you hit someone on the neck, like, that's not going to do anything. And with Lovey, like, Lovey's got the beard, you might just whiff right through the beard. You think you hit him? And he's like, nope, nothing. That was all hair.
1: Bushy beard. (laughs) Bushy beard. Tough target. Uh, Number three and four on the list. Just played each other this last week. Josh McDaniels, number three. Dennis Allen, number four. Really? Dennis Allen scored well.
2: Yes. Or poorly. Uh, Marcus Aurora Radio Show is coming up with Russ Langer and Caleb Herring tonight at 6 o'clock right here on ESPN Las Vegas. It's a double dip on the uh, Lotus family of stations, the LV Sports Network, because the Kevin Kruger Radio Show is back for another season. 5 o'clock start. That'll go down live at Bailiwick inside the Orleans. If you want to go down and see the show, make sure you go down there and say hi to Coach Kruger and John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Uh, JVT will be on the scene as well. That's over on Raider Nation Radio 920. So 5 o'clock, Kruger Show, 6 o'clock, the Marcus Arroyo Radio
0: Show. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All-Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All-Access on Twitter. No, there's no argument. Zig's ability to punish, Zig's ability to deliver it, Zig's ability to... Uh, what he does for us in pass protection. And frankly, Zeke's ability to make big plays uh, are there, and uh, uh, we're going to go as Zeke goes. I really mean he's that integral to our success issue. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company.
2: You know, Cowboys fans should be thrilled. Right now, they're out to this good start, and only Jerry Jones can pour cold water on it by making stupid comments, and and it's it's just, bruh, he's talking about Pollard and Zeke there. Why say anything? Why? why? It's like McCarthy already has so little respect from the outside, and you're just throwing another wrench into the plan. It's, I mean, I'm not going to say it's none of your business. You're the owner. Just let the football people, and this is a recurring theme for 30 years now. Let's bring in Caleb Herring. Caleb, how you doing, buddy?
4: I, I'm doing good. I, I'm glad I'm not a Cowboys fan and haven't had to deal with Jerry and his nonsense uh, for, like you said, 30 years. But I'm doing good. Yeah, I mean, what do you hear then when
2: you and and see when you you see Jerry Jones trying to stick his beak into running back playing time? I mean, it, it's clear Zeke has a role on this team, but Pollard needs to be more involved.
4: It's very clear to anybody watching, uh, especially when you're coaching and you're actually in the locker room and on the field with the guys in practice, um, you see the production of, you know, one guy versus the other, Pollard versus uh, Elliott. Um, and it's hard to see how anybody could uh, not see that there's a definite disparity in who, who's actually producing right now. And what I see when I see Jerry Jones making these kind of statements and um, sticking his nose into the football side of the house, if, if you will, um, I just see a guy who can't stand to not be in control. He, he has to have the, the final say. He has to be the one that did it and got it right and got the team to the top. And it's a reoccurring theme. It, it's, it's been his since the days of, of, of Johnson back in the day. You know, it, it was like, no, I, I know I got a good coach, but hey, he's getting too much credit. I need to take some of this. So he's out and let me go build a Super Bowl contender. And, and it, it hasn't happened since. So um, there, it, he's the only owner that I know that has a, a post-game conference nobody else comes out and says like oh this is what went well during the game this is what was no that's not your role you hired a coach let him coach you know cut the checks whatever you want to do on the executive side but give your coaches some room to breathe and be themselves and like you said with mike mccarthy he's, he's already had pressure he's on the hot seat before this year started like he people were calling for his job because of the the lackluster job the cowboys were doing with the talent they had last year Um, So he's he's actually having a good season. He should be you know kind of empowered right now. Statements like that take power away from the coach and make his voice smaller in the organization. I don't think that's what the Cowboys need right now.
1: Well, you said the key word, the key three word phrase in there. Cut the checks. Uh, That's what this is. I mean, he's paying Zeke a lot of money, and he's going to stand out and scream about I'm paying this guy money. And he's not going to say it that directly, but that's all this is. Which is I'm not saying it's any less ridiculous,
4: but that's what he's doing here. I'm paying this guy a lot of money. You're going to play him. And, and I think that's definitely there's truth to that absolutely and I think with the history of of Jerry Jones and the running back position specifically with Emmett Smith um, and how he let Emmett basically walk out when there's still some 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 miles left on that engine uh, I think he's trying to avoid that mistake again um, and he's also trying to make sure like I said he's right he's he's the one that got it right it, it, when we go it's because I made the decision to either pay Zeke so he can stay. So I'm going to make the narrative that Zeke is so important to us and the things he brings to us are so important to justify my decision to pay him, which everybody knows was a bad decision. It wasn't smart to pay a running back at that time that was holding out, that still had euros on his contract, to, to pay him the amount of money he did. And you see why now when you're trying to find cash base to improve your roster. Uh, I, I think that's what he's doing. He's trying to make himself right. So he's the smartest guy in the room. He's the guy that got the Cowboys to the promised land, so to speak. Even if his plan ain't what's doing it. Because it ain't Zeke. Uh, Zeke's not the driving force, the catalyst. And even in the running back room right now, it's Pollard, clearly. I mean, there's so much else that's going right with the Cowboys right now and how they were able to uh, put this good start to the season together. Zeke probably deserves, you know, a a very much smaller portion of the credit than Jerry Jones is giving him. Let's put it that way. Um, And, and, but Jerry's going to make it seem like he's everything to the program or to the, to the franchise.
1: Deshaun Watson will start game 12 week 13 for the Browns. Interesting timing on the announcement. Uh, The Browns coming off a very good performance and a win over their rival, the, the, (laughs) the Bengals. And now we're going to come out there and make the formal announcement that he will start. I, I guess the question is how effective Do you think he can be? It's not like he's just going to show up that week. He has been in the building for three weeks in meetings and things like that. He can actually practice coming up in about a week and a half uh, with the team and then have a couple of weeks of practice to get ready for that start. But it's going to be tough to manage reps uh, between Jacoby Brissett, the starter, and Deshaun Watson, the presumed starter, uh, in a couple weeks. How will this all play out, and, and how difficult will it be for him to get up to speed?
4: It's going to be extremely difficult. The NFL is a whole different animal. And we, we, we've talked about it um, at length with UNLV and their quarterback situation with Doug Bumfield missing a couple of weeks and how much rust that can accumulate in that time span. Um, but in the NFL, it's a, it's a much faster game. Um, things are moving at a much higher clip. The talent is obviously a lot better um, at the NFL level. Uh, and you got to keep in mind, it's, the year suspension is one thing. Um, but he's been away from football as far as actual live bullets for really two years because he, you know the, the last time he strapped him on in, in, in Houston was at the end of that season, what was it two years ago? Um, they sat him for a year and then now this suspension as well. So it, we're looking at two years of actual time that he's been away from football, not just not just injured, but you know and he's just been away from football. Um, and we saw a little bit of his struggles in preseason when he got some reps and it was like, uh, I don't know if this is the, the same Deshaun Watson that we were talking about as a top five quarterback in the NFL um, and a candidate for league MVP. So I think the expectations need to be tempered a little bit. I think announcing it as early as they did, that game seems to be off in the distance. But announcing it this way, I think, is a, a PR strategy to kind of get the announcement out of the way, get that reaction um, so that when he does actually step on the field, hope the hope is it's not as – uh, not as much of a distraction at that point, but it will be, and everybody knows this is basically just giving protesters a game to mark on the calendar. Like that's the day we're going to really make a scene about it. Right. So, but I, I, the timing's odd. Um, and what are you declaring at that time? Because knowing that it's going to be a a, a, a work, uh, to get him back to full speed and catch him up to the rest of the team. Are you saying that the rest of the season from that point is, is gone, either wasted or, you know, we're not, we're, we're just going to, put our chips towards getting him better and getting him ready for next year. Um, Cause what if the Browns rattle off some, some wins during that time and, and leading up to that start? Are you going to disrupt that just because you announced that Deshaun Watson will be making his debut start for the Browns? I don't know. It just seems, seems like he created more of a storm announcing it the way he did. than then you avoided.
1: Former UNIV quarterback, Calip hearing you hear him on the broadcast and on various podcasts with Steve Cofield, mostly talking about food, which is a, their favorite subject. <laughs> The UNLV <laughs> All Access Podcast. Learn the names, brother. <laughs>
2: and, and the one. UNLV Broadcasters Bites Podcast. Yes, it's a, a great podcast. Talk about food. Yes, uh,
4: I, obviously you're a fan. Come join us sometime. We'll, we'll I know you well, take part in the discussion.
2: Actually, we had discussed last week on the Broadcasters Bites. You're very busy, but if we let you on to talk about San Diego, all bets would be off and oh, yeah. you'd be on for two hours. I
1: might, I might come down and join you guys this weekend. We'll
2: see. Oh, is that right? Maybe. Oh, last I haven't second decided. plans. I haven't decided Look at sure. this. Uh, world, <laughs> world Traveler.
1: Yeah, K- Caleb. Did you hear that somebody came up on the <laughs> in a bar in New Orleans and asked if I knew who Caleb Herring was? I what? I yes, did not yep. hear this. Yeah.
2: Well, there, did that there's really something happen? to this. There's something yeah. to this because it sounds like it was someone you played with, but Adam said the person was so drunk that he couldn't <laughs> get to yeah. you know the the fi- the final moment he needed, which is like, what's your name, bro? Because he said he played in the freaking Heart of Dallas Bowl. Yeah.
4: Wow. That's a small world. That's crazy. Obviously, okay. he's at a bar in New Orleans. He's not going to be able to, to speak well. He's He's, he's got to be hammered. But I was that is I was, crazy. Yeah, I was
1: wearing a UNLV hat, and the guy came over to me, and he said, did you go to UNLV? I was like, yeah. And you know, I'm in the media, right, about the Raiders. And he said, oh, have you ever heard of Caleb Herring? And I'm like, yeah. I talk to him every week. He's a friend. He's like, have you ever heard of Steve Cofield? I'm like, yeah, I do a show with him. And then he's like,
4: okay, okay. And I'm like, I was trying to talk to him. He had nothing. It was rough. <laughs> It was good was we, a good we, uh, we stood out in his memory hard enough to get past the inebriation that's that's a I'll take that as a compliment anything to distract us from having to talk about the college
2: football playoff rankings oh. but go ahead Caleb go ahead you got the floor what what disturbed you yesterday
4: <laughs> you know what this here it comes here comes the three SEC teams in the college football playoff um I I I, I can't say I'm surprised nobody should be honestly surprised by the rankings um I think there was um, some question as to where uh, how Georgia would be ranked. Uh, excuse me. Ohio state would be ranked given the strength of schedule at the top four. We're just, just focusing on the top four. Um, I think Tennessee and Georgia both have, you know, the sec schedule in their favor. Georgia hasn't gotten to it yet. They have played some cupcakes. They've had a, an easier schedule than Tennessee. If you just look at it. Um, but this, I mean, no surprise, the PAC 12s, one loss teams um, get booted down a little bit more. And I think Oregon, maybe has some room to complain um, about where they fall because the one loss they had to Georgia. Um, obviously, the first game of the season, that one is still looming over their season. I think they've had a really good season. But it, it's setting up to be – me and Adam have talked about this off the air. It's setting up to be a three SEC team uh, college football playoff. Three SEC teams and Ohio State in the college football playoffs. And uh, if it plays out with Georgia and Tennessee this week, if Georgia since Tennessee – um, and then Georgia loses to Bama in the SEC championship, you got it. I think there's – and this this is one of the only times where I feel I wouldn't even be mad about it. I would not be upset about it this year with the way those teams have played, uh, especially Tennessee. I would not be upset about it. Um, but it, it's coming. It, here, here we go. It's what everybody knew was setting up, and it's just a matter of if they can finish. Um, and it's funny how you don't even like count Michigan and, and, and what they're going to do. They're undefeated as well, but it's like – you, you kind of know just what the teams that are out there. These are the teams that are gonna make it, and you have faith in them at least, or you trust them with that with that weight and over the other teams that are in the top ten. I, I don't see it going any other way, really. Realistically,
1: it's it sucks. Uh, I can't I can't do it. Uh, <laughs> Michigan obviously deserves to be higher. This is ridiculous, but it's a reality show, and we'll accept that. We'll find out at the end. Uh, UNLV San Diego State. A lot of meaning to this game this week. Both teams, you know, holding their own, kind of treading water in the in the conference. But they both have a chance to kind of step up here and have a big win. Uh, what do you think UNOV has to do this week to, to find a way to come out with the victory? Caleb, we've got about 45 seconds left.
4: Uh, I think UNLV has to has to get back to protecting the ball and playing efficient football offensively. Uh, I think they have to contain a quarterback that can uh, be a threat with his legs as well with his arms. So that's a tough task for UNLV. We've seen how they struggle with that in years past and this season. Um, they, but they really just, the, the main focus is taking care of the football. That, that's been what's cost them the last three games a, a, as far as the losses. Take care of the football and letting your offense be on the field. Getting Doug back, getting some other guys back healthy is obviously a big key in that. Um, but they just got to come meet the moment. It's it's a big game against a conference opponent that's, that's usually near the top. Um, this one separates, you know, the number three team in the conference. So there's a lot at stake. They got to rise to the moment and, and finish off the season strong, started with San Diego State. Caleb, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, guys.
2: Have a good one. Talk later. There he is. Caleb Herring. Uh, UNLV All Access Podcast uh, drops tomorrow. We talk basketball and football. Broadcaster Bites. Uh, Broadcaster Bites will drop uh, tomorrow or Friday as well. And the Marcus Arroyo Radio Show is coming up here in two hours. So a lot more UNLV Football Talk on ESPN Las Vegas. Giveaway time, 364-1100, 364-1100. The Who is in town. Saturday tickets, two tickets. Ari's got them right now, 364-1100, 364-1100. Two nights, two nights, Friday and Saturday. Park MGM. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster.com. Call and win them at 364-1100.